the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. This episode is brought to you by the Girl Means Business Podcast. The Girl Means Business Podcast is a weekly podcast hosted by former teacher turned entrepreneur Kendra Swalls. Each week, she and her guests share business and marketing tips along with honest conversations around what it means to be a boss babe balancing a business while raising a family. Some of my very favorite episodes include episode 34, Finding Your Business BFF, episode 14, which is SEO tips and tricks, and episode 45, How I Use Instagram to Grow My Business. New episodes go live every Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so you get notified when new episodes go live. And check out the Girl Means Business Facebook group for bonus material and more in-depth conversations. Martha Michelle Castro Marmol is a Dominican-born poet, author, actress, and artist. She wrote the best-selling poetry book, Letters to the Men I Have Loved, which spent over two years in the top 20 best-selling love poems category on Amazon. She has authored Elusive Loves, a bilingual compilation of love poems, and Letters to Women Like Me, a compilation of essays and poems. Her work also spans outside of literature, to television, film, and speaking engagements at colleges around the country. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Girls Gone Boss. It's your girl, Gabby. And Alex. And we're back for another episode. How are you, girl? Good. How are you? I'm excited. I'm having some wine. I I can see that. I don't have a wine with me. And you look super cozy in your sweatshirt. Yeah, girl. This has been my quarantine look, hoodies and wine. Mine's been uh, mine's been baby barf and um, hair falling. My hair falling off, but well, you know, everyone's season is different, but we're surviving. That's what counts. Yes. And today, um, speaking of just you know trying to motivate ourselves and inspire ourselves during this time, I'm super excited that we finally got um. Someone that I've admired for a very long time. She's been doing her thing in a space that I feel Latinas maybe haven't been in or there isn't that many. And maybe somebody that we can relate as much as we can relate to her. Um, So excited to have the poet and author and just creative and awesome woman doing her thing, Dominicana. Martha Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Guys, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for for answering the DM when we slid in there. (laughs) (laughs) I have a joke. I I always say that I only answer to girls' DMs on Instagram. I I feel some certain way every time I see a guy's DM. It's so weird. If you're a girl, you're most likely always going to get my answer. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for coming on on a Saturday. Um, how is quarantine life? First of all, are you surviving? What's the deal? Well, I actually, um, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Me too. For two months, for two months I, um, I, I went over to my parents' house right when the stay at home order began in Los Angeles. I live in LA and, um, I went to my parents' house and I was able to spend a lot of time with my family. The time that I usually... They live in Georgia. Um, I grew up in Miami, but they 
moved to my entire family kind of moved to uh, Georgia to the to the suburbs of North Georgia. And it's it's a little bit um, really slow paced for me. (laughs) Yeah, but I I really enjoy just being at home. I, I, I think I only left the house on four occasions in two months to go to the store. But I enjoyed eating all the Dominican food that we were making. Uh, my sister is an amazing um, baker. Um, and she taught me how to bake a lot of cakes. And, you know, I gained some weight, but I enjoyed it. And, um, you know, obviously there were some, some, um, changes and I don't, I don't consider them setbacks because I feel that everything happens for a reason, but, you know, I was a little, obviously a little disappointed when my publisher asked me to push the book to September, my new book. And, you know, and at, at first I was like, oh my God, all my plans, um, changed, you know, uh, cause it's, it's. It, you know, it was such an uncertain time, but I I took the positive in it, in everything, and I just kind of like went with it and enjoyed it, and you and, then I, and then I came back to LA a week ago. I'm like, okay, now it's time to, you know, get back to life, to the new normal. So did this happen life. to you, where like now that you you spend so much time with family, now you miss them more now than you did before? Did that happen to you? Yes, it did, actually, because I was actually just thinking, you know, I'm very close to my family. Like we have a family chat. We talk every day. Um, so I've always felt very close to them. Um, but being there that I, I was like living with them and I have and I left home. You're talking like 14 years ago. So this was the first time that I spent two months. You know, and, you know, I that I spend longer than than three weeks with them because I usually always go back for the holidays and I'll spend um, most of December there. But this was like I felt like I was living there. It was like so strange. I think Um, it's a great time to just, you know, connect with family and just be present. Right. So it's a a great moment that you got with them. It was. I'm very lucky. I always say I'm very lucky because I get along with my family. I love them to death. And it was a great experience. But I also was thinking of people that that don't have the same luck as I do. Like imagine being in a house with people that you don't get along or that mistreat you. You know, it's like uh like my heart goes out to those people in those circumstances, but in terms of my experience it was it was a great time yeah and I do miss them more now I was like oh my god I miss them so much especially because I spent a lot of time with my my niece and nephews and um and they're in that age they're in that toddler age that they know they remember now like they remember and they they they're very talkative and and it's like they're discovering the world. So it, that was really awesome to get to be with them for 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 more than just a few days. And now, like 
when I call my mom or or something that she my niece sees on TV, she's always like, "Ah, oh, Titi Michelle, when are you coming back?" You know, she's Aww. well. Speaking of your family and like, okay, so you have a sister. Just tell us about like growing up in Dominican Republic because you were born in DR, right? I was born in Dominican Republic, but I was raised in Miami. We moved to Miami when I was five. Um, when I was five years old and I did get to spend every summer in Dominican Republic, which in my opinion was the best thing my parents ever did because of me, because, you know, because of that, I was able to not only forge a, a strong relationship with my family in Dominican Republic, like my aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents, but I, I was able to uh, practice my Spanish. And that's something that I'm forever grateful. I always say that when um, I used to, I used to spend the entire summer in Dominican Republic, like from the moment school was out, like the next day I was on a plane. It's like my parents would put us in a plane and like, bye. And we'd come back. Like sometimes even like, like, a day or two after school had started. So we were we were there for like three months. And your parents would stay behind? They would just send you guys? Yeah, they would just send us. They would just send us. Sometimes they'd come for like a week or so, but they just send us. And I used to, uh, share, for the summer, I used to share uh, a room. I used to basically move into my cousin's room and... We, you know, she was like an older sister for me. And, and, um, my aunt was like my mom in the summer, you know, it was was a great experience. Um, and I'm forever grateful that my parents always made sure to, to cultivate that. Um, but growing up in Miami, uh, it, it was, you know, it was pretty great. We're from Miami, so what part of Miami did you grow up in? Ah, We're in Miami. Well, well, Alex is not in Miami, but we grew up in Miami. Okay, I grew up in Kendall. Oh, so did we. I'm a Kendall girl. I went to Braddock. Oh, Braddock. We went to Killian. Yeah. Okay, so I was supposed to go to Killian. Oh, girl. I was supposed to go to Killian, but I I stayed in Braddock because I had uh, my, we moved home when I was uh the summer of um between freshman year and sophomore year so I didn't want to switch schools and and go to another school no I was actually supposed to go to sunset not Killian sorry I was supposed to go to sunset yeah but I stayed in I stayed at um at Braddock what year did you graduate I graduated 2001 okay so tell us tell us about you as a child like what what sparked your interest in poetry? Well, you know, I I think I grew up in a very creative home. My my parents, although they didn't uh pursue their uh artistic um passions as careers, it was still nonetheless a very creative household. Um my father is a musician, a trained mu- musician, super talented. My mother is uh also a writer. And um, she she's a teacher, studied um, languages and taught um, 
taught English and Spanish. They both, they both, um, they both supported the idea of creativity. And I, I, I just wrote my first, I wrote my first poem when I was like six years old. And to be honest, it was something that just came natural to me. It's kind of like how when uh, I always compare it to when kids always want to sing at home. It's like, you know, they have a talent for singing. They have a great voice. Well, I didn't have a great voice growing up or now. And uh, my talent was writing. My talent was um, was poetic. I learned how to read and write at four years old. I was always very interested. My, you know, my grandmother and my my mom always made sure that we we were advanced. I I was like the youngest student in in my class. I graduated at seventeen. Um, I was a little bit ahead. And I, I always had, I, I could have done better in school technically, but I, I was, I was distracted by boys. And, but, but I think the distraction in boys is what really got you to the level of writing that you're doing now, because uh, you yeah, you know, all those experiences couldn't have been put into a book, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. I always think about that. I'm like, man, sometimes I'm, I, I'm, I'm disappointed that I could have been more focused in my 20s instead of um focusing so much on my relationships um wait what's the time time i'm grateful for we have to keep what sign you what sign are you i am complicated (laughs) (laughs) um uh i am a capricorn aquarius cusp and I always like to say that, that I am a cusp sign because there is a difference. Let me tell you, there is such a strong difference between just being a full on sign and a cusp sign. And, it, you know, and I, I see the difference because, for example, I have many tendencies of a Capricorn woman. But at the same time, I also have many tendencies of an Aquarius woman. For example, I always say that I work like a Capricorn, but I live like an Aquarius. That means that I'm very um, driven. I'm very tenacious, and most Capricorns are. But then I'm also very carefree and somewhat aloof um, and spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And I go with the flow, and that's my Aquarian side. Um, I... I so I always like to specify I'm an I'm a cusp. Okay. That's I totally can get Aquarius. I mean, your Aquarius vibes and your Capricorn vibes for sure. What, what's your birthday? January seventeenth. You know what? what? I knew you were gonna say that's my daughter's birthday. No. Yes, she was born four months ago. Yeah, and I knew you were gonna say that. That's why I asked you. I was like, she's gonna say it's the seventeenth. Oh what? my god! Yeah, I just felt oh, it. You know- do you know who else was a lot of cool people were born that day a lot of inspiring people like i love to say this uh michelle obama she was Ooh. yes yeah i love michelle obama That's i find her so so amazing uh but yeah a lot of a lot of inspiring people were born that day like muhammad ali i always joke i always say you know every time that i feel that i'm uh, that I'm having like maybe setbacks or uh, that I feel like quitting. 
I always remind myself, you cannot quit. You are not a quitter. Those people were born in the same day as you. And they have <laughs> you don't let them down. So much. <laughs> they have changed the world and you, you cannot quit. <laughs> that's, that's a great, like, um, you know. Like motivating tool. <laughs> yeah, it's a good tool. It's like a coping tool. Uh, speaking of, okay, so can you run us through your creative process? How... Do you, do you like have to be at a certain place to like write your poetry? Like, do you have to be inspired? Is there a writer's block in that process? Can you kind of just run us through it? I am. Um, I think I'm inspired by life, everyday life. Um, I think poetry is everywhere. Like we we go outside, you know. It's like it's it's a poem, you know. It, it, I feel that it's solitude the key factor in great in writing great work because you need to have that that time of solitude to to meditate to think your thoughts to let the muse arrive um solitude is necessary for any artist um so i hope i I, whenever I do get married, I hope that I have a really big house. So I have <laughs> always my moment of solitude. Um, it's important. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of writers, sometimes I, I always say, oh my God, it's so corny. But a lot of writers um, always, a lot of, they don't always do this, but a lot of them, always like to say, oh, I, I'm going to such and such place to write. Like, I'm going to go like to this retreat, this thing, blah, blah. No, it's okay. I wrote my first book in, in my room. <laughs> you know, I, you don't have to, um, you don't have to like go anywhere crazy, like to a cabin in the middle of the woods. And you no, know, no, it's like people are, are sometimes a little bit too, too dramatic so, when it comes to creative process. So sp- no. speaking of speaking of other writers, who who has inspired your style of writing, or who who do you just look up to as a writer? Well, I I've always said my favorite uh, poet is Pablo Neruda. To me, his work is genius, um, just because writing, you know, to describe. It's all about describing things, you know, emotions. And you want the reader to feel exactly what you're feeling. That's what a great writer does. And that's what Neruda did, with his, especially with his use of um, metaphors. Uh, sometimes um, young writers hit me up. They slide into my DMs. You know, they want me to, and they want me to uh, give them my opinion on their work and I don't like to judge people's work because I feel no one should judge your heart you know and and judge what you feel because that's technically what you're writing but I I like to give little uh gems of advice and I always say use description use the metaphors why not? You know, it's like, it's, it's not only like saying, uh, it's like you'd be writing a poem. I feel sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't use like 
that common language, you know, it's like, you tell me, how do you exactly, how do you feel that your heart is broken into tiny pieces, you know what I mean? Like, that, that it's like, uh, like glass, you know, like you have to use like these, these moments of complete full description to really help people um, that are reading your work to have a strong idea of exactly what you're feeling. But when I discovered Pablo Neruda, that's exactly what I, what I took from his work. And I think it's, it's really uh, the, the one element that has inspired, that has translated also to my work is his use of uh, metaphors and description. Um, but yeah, I love his work. Um, and I, he's, he's, he passed away in the seventies. <laughs> so obviously I could have never, um, you feel like you're like an old soul, Martha, you give me old soul vibes. Oh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> I, I think to be honest, I think we're all old souls <laughs> like coming back, you know, but I feel like I've lived many lives. I feel that I've taken a little bit of each life and I'm presently living all of them at the same time now. It's like sometimes I, I feel that I lived in a Greek Roman time and sometimes I feel like I lived in the twenties, you know? Um sometimes I feel like I lived in the Middle Ages. You know, it's like and I feel like every 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 woman I've been in those lives is currently living within me now. I love it. Can we get to letters to the men I have loved? I feel that I have connected with you through the poetry in that book. Um, I mean, who hasn't loved a man and who hasn't loved some that ain't around anymore, right? Yes. Um, I mean, it's definitely this, you know, this book, this book, it's, I didn't plan on for it to become what it became. I did it as a, as an art project, to be honest. I, I had previously tried to write another two books in my early twenties and that are still there in my computer and I never published. <laughs> but, um, I, when I wrote letters to them and I have loved, I was in a place in my life in which I needed to write. Write was uh, my therapy. Writing was my therapy. And I, I went through a, a, a very trying, painful time. And and I, I don't want to say that it was only um, because of my broken relationship at the time, but I, it was also changes in my life. Um, and and a time in which I needed to make decisions, decisions that I knew that would affect the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's like I, I was, I, I was about to enter my thirties. I, I was, I was, um, 28 years old, about to turn 29. I published the book when I was 30. I was going through those changes that we all go through, both women and men it's, it's that transition. Right. And that book, um, sort of, um, became that time in my life. 
And, um, you know, it was, it's such a raw book. I didn't even really edit it, to be honest. Um, Let's read gonna- the poem from it that I really liked. And maybe you can give us like your take on what, what it oh, meant. What inspired it? Sure. Yeah. So I am, if everything I am destined to be already exists within me, if my core is made up of tiny molecules that were once part of something bigger, then I must extract from what I was already given to me and learn to be. That was from Letters to Women Like Me. And that is when I understood the power of the I am. Okay. Now, without getting too crazy here, <laughs> I was me- I meditated a lot on one summer on the power of God, the power of the creator, right? And I I you know so so many times we we read these bible stories and we don't really know exactly what they really mean. We just like repeat things. And I remember reading um the name it's like I wanted to know the power behind like all the names of God in Hebrew, right? And and in the Bible, when Moses, um, when he presented to Mo- himself to Moses in the burning bush, he said, "I am the I, I am the I am." And I just kept on reading it, reading it over and over and over again. And I started understanding, my God, that's, he's the creator. Like, that's what it is. And he gave us that same um, spirit. He imparted it onto us when he created us. So we also have that power within us to create. So every time we use the word I am, we are, we are actively putting that creative spirit to use. That's why it's so important, uh, the affirmations you use in your life. Like, for example, what are you telling yourself? I am, every time you tell yourself, I am confident, I am smart, you know, Mm -hmm. I am healthy. You are actively putting that creative spirit to use. You are creating what you say that you are. So it's already been given to us. It exists inside of us because i feel like maybe my interpretation would be like too we were made by the creator we're part of something so big that we're already made for like in our purpose for a purpose so let's just have faith and be and be we need to you know i the the biggest obstacle in the human journey is um is defeating doubt uh, I always say, if the devil exists, that's what the devil is. Doubt. To counter everything we already know we are. And that's the biggest um, obstacle in the human journey. It's like, you know, it's like uh, the one thing that stops us from from greatness because doubt is fear and fear and love cannot abide in the same, you know, it's like wherever there's a uh, light, there is no darkness. And if the creator is 
and all loving energy. If the creator is love, because that's what, in my opinion, the creator is this like ball of loving energy, right? And we have all of those characteristics. So we embody love. We were born embodying love, but then the world is full of fear and doubt. And that's the biggest obstacle in the human journey. It's like we're, we're, we were placed on earth to achieve um, certain uh, soul goals. I always say soul goals. Um, to, to learn maybe patience, to learn qualities of love so we could fully become that, right? So we could reach God in, you know, it's like, so we could reach heaven, in my opinion, like reach the kingdom, um, whatever you want to, you know, describe it or imagine it to be. And if that's the, the goal of, of the human journey to evolve our souls, the obstacles are, you know, getting there without without uh falling into the the um, the little holes you know it's like cro- it's trying to cross or it's like trying to cross a um a really long journey right and we're gonna reach obstacles and all those obstacles are like fear doubt um and and it's you know and it's it's really crazy it's really interesting because it's like kind of pretty simple to understand but we make it really difficult. We do. Uh, we we like to give so many excuses for for not being this loving energy that we could be, right? So um, now in the world that we need so much more love, like with all the things happening, um, unfortunately going on like actively now. Um, just I feel like love is always the answer for everything. It is. It's the only thing that can really save the world, right? But it's it's also very frustrating. I understand, you know, for many people, it's like if you're if you're trying to be loved, but then your neighbor isn't, right? So it, that's you know that's dealing with the obstacles of life, right? It's like if if it was that easy, right? Um, if it was that easy, everyone would do it, right? But I always like to say I I, I always like to think because maybe because I'm 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 one of those positive individuals that I like to see the positive in things at all times. Um, I think that what's going on in the world right now sometimes it, it's really kind of needed. You you need to you need to go through the chaos. Right. You need to see it because in, in, it needs to be revealed. Right. You you need to we need to see where the wound is to heal it. Right. And um, obviously, so many people, they react differently to cer- to circumstances. Right. Like, for example, we see it right now with with, with what's happening. Um, so many people have taken the the route of of looting. Right. And some people are taking a, a more peaceful approach, right? 
can I necessarily say, well, you're wrong for doing that, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to ever uh, judge how other people um, react and, you know, and deal with their pain. But I always like to say, what would love do? What would love do? It's like you have to put yourself out of the equation and substitute it with love. What would love do? And that's how I try to see, like, that's my approach to life currently. Was I always um, like that? No, I didn't always have that knowledge. But now that I do, that's my approach. I like to to replace, I like to substitute myself with what would love do. It's kind of like, you know, when people say, what would Jesus do? Yeah. It's, it's like that. Yeah. And I, I actually do kind of something similar. I tell myself, does this bring life into you? Like, does this speak, does it speak life into you? Does it empower you? Does it make you better? Because sometimes we are our own enemies and we think negative. And then I have to kind of like talk to myself with my alter ego, like, girl, really? Like, does this speak life to you? And then I have to like kind of check myself and then reword what I just said in my head to something positive and speak life into myself. Yes. I mean, we have, like we were talking before, we have the power within us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I think, and this is what my next book is, my upcoming book, 18 Inches, is all about. It's about decisions, choices. We, I, in which I share different decisions that I've made in my life, but whether they were positive or not, I share what I learned from each decision. And I you named it 18 Inches. Can you explain why? Yeah, it's, if you walk, um, it's actually a concept that I learned from my dad and I, and I mentioned it in letters to the men I have loved. And I always knew that I wanted to um, write a book that's in more detail about this concept. Right. And it's, if you walk, it's the average distance uh, between the heart and the head in most human beings, not children. <laughs> <laughs> adults <laughs> if you take your fingers from your heart to your head the average distance is 18 inches so for some people it might be 17 some people might be 17 and a half and some people are full-on 18 <laughs> yeah i'm gonna measure myself right I now know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um so you know you could really walk your fingers from your from your um heart to your head like it kind of like walking the fingers it's like you guys are doing it. <laughs> Y'all, I'm 17. <laughs> I'm a normal human being. Okay, good. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, so that so the book is really about these decisions we make between are you, are you, am I making the decisions with my head or with my heart and. I, I I wrote letters to them and I have loved with all heart, if, if that makes any sense. Those, um, all those letters were all heart, all emotion, right? And my dad used to uh, say to me, you need to start thinking with your head. 
Right. You need to start thinking with your head. You're all, you're all heart. You're all too emo. Um, it's all emotions for you. Like all my decisions were based on emotions. Like I, I was one of those, I've been that crazy girlfriend, you know, like being, getting mad at my boyfriend in public and slapping the shit out of him and throwing drinks at him. Never threw plates, but <laughs> not the plates, girl. <laughs> Never threw plates or anything that could have actually killed him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for him. Huh? But I think we've all been that crazy girl in, in a way of one way or another, whether like, you know, and we don't have to throw things, but we could say words that are super like, a you know, f- uh, I let me tell you, I I I had one boyfriend in my twenties. It's funny because I I've obviously I've had different boyfriends, but in my twenties, I I was in love. I had three loves, and I treated them all differently. One will think will will describe me as a saint, <laughs> as a naive saint. <laughs> I was obviously a lot younger and then he broke my heart. I was like, I'm not dealing with this shit anymore. And I, then that next boyfriend, he got, he got the, the fire, uh, Latina. Right. And his nickname for me was Loquita and he did not even speak Spanish. Okay. (laughs) And, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, uh, by the way, Loquita means, a uh, little crazy for anyone that's listening that doesn't speak Spanish. Um, but so in that relationship, I was, I said so many hurtful things. I, I, oh my God, I was, he was the one that I, I would throw the drinks. He just like, he just like knew how to trigger uh, this side of me that no one else, you know, had uh, triggered before. And, it was an extremely passionate relationship, the same way we would fight, the same way we would make love. <laughs> and um, it was very passionate. Then the the one um, after him, he got a really great combination of the the angel and the devil in me. And um, and he was like my best friend. And and um, so all the heartbreaks were different. Right. But I did, I did say a lot of hurtful things sometimes just to, to one of those boyfriends. And I, would I ever do it again? Would I, would I ever treat a man like that? No, of course not. And, and I think we learn things and, and we, you know, we do learn from things. I thank thank God that we do. Um, cause some people don't, to be honest, some people just keep on repeating the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. Um, but that's one thing that I definitely worked on for my next relationship after that one. And, and I always say, when I look back at that specific relationship in letters to the men I have loved, I titled a letter called change. And it was about that boyfriend. And, and I always say, um, he inspired change in me. He inspired me to be a better woman. I knew how much my um, my behavior affected the relationship and my lack of um, 
of respect sometimes because that's what it was. Every time you say anything offensive to anyone, it's just lack of respect. And why, why was that the case between us? Because he didn't, he never, he never spoke disrespectfully to me. He never did. So it's like, why did I suddenly, you know, um, treat him that way? I've, I've tried to analyze the relationship and, and I, you know, I, I know why technically, um, it was a sort of like me lashing out to everything else that every other guy had done prior to him. It's like, I made him pay basically yeah, for, if, for, you know, for other men's mistakes. Yeah. Anybody I, I else? had a lot of pain, you know, I had a lot of yeah. pain that I didn't know how to, um, that at the moment I hadn't, um, healed correctly. I had thrown some salt at the wound, not, and not really healed. Right. And, um, so I, but he, I always say he inspired change in me. It's like, I, I always say women, we have the capabilities, the, the capability of being goddesses. Um, and I always say, it's like, why would you want to be a princess or a or a queen when you could be a goddess and but it's like you know it's like some girls some girls um some women they want to uh always say oh i'm a queen I, like you know it's like they have like that queen mentality but they don't have the queen behavior you know it's like they don't really um behave like women right and it's, it's just nice to think you deserve everything a queen technically has, right? Um, so there's a lot of women that they have like that queen mentality. I have a goddess mentality and, and, and I'm being honest. My mentality is that goddesses are flawed. <laughs> I'm not perfect. Goddesses were flawed. And but goddesses were strong and they overcame the obstacles um, that were presented and they had and they came up with solutions. That's why people would pray to them. (laughs) And they and that's how I view myself and the women, the lineage of the women in my family. That's how I view them. Strong women. We don't. We don't. Um, we don't sit around around and and cry forever. We could cry. I always say we. I cry for a day, and then I get up and I keep it moving, and I find the solutions. I find solutions to the problems, right? And I think uh, a lot of times, a lot of um, women um, and men, they drown in in their, in their problems, right. And in their pain. And I get it. It's tough. It's, it's very tough and it takes a lot of courage, but if you have, if, if you train yourself to have that kind of goddess mentality that you're going to keep on going, it's like, it's like when an athlete trains an Olympian, like think about it. Where do, where even, where does the name, um, Olympics come from it comes from that god god and goddess mentality that greek 
goddess, um, god mentality because Olymp Olympia Olympic was where Mount Olympus was where all the gods lived. So as an Olympian, it's like you're reaching that status. You're reaching that level. So you, you become the best athlete. You're showcasing it to the world and you are reaching Mount Olympus. That's the idea behind the Olympics. If you really think about it and you win a gold medal, why, what does gold signify? Gold is, the highest value in in terms of of um of everything you know for since the beginning of time you know not just in currency but even in 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 winning in winning you know it's like you have to have a win a winner's mentality is a gold mentality right and um and i and i've always tried to um have that in in my life like in in the spiritual sense right because i feel that a lot of times people just simply focus on our physical presence here on earth and they you know they don't put the same focus and the same desire to having that kind of mentality for your spiritual well-being because honestly it's the most important um part of the journey I agree. I agree a hundred percent. You want to take care of your body. You want to, you know, you want to, you want to live a healthy physical life. But let me tell you, if you're not um, spiritually healthy, if you're not mentally healthy, um, every, your, your body will fall apart because it's, it all goes together. Yeah. You got to put and in the work. You need to, yes. You need to have that balance. So but you I, went from letters to the men I have loved to, elusive love to letters to women like me, which I feel like there's so many, so many of us women are so similar. So we go through so many things, no matter the race, the culture, the age, yes. we all are the same. So I really appreciate like being raw about that and how you just share your, from experience. Do you ever like hold back? Like, Oh my God, my ex is going to read this or like somebody's yes. going to know I'm talking about them. It. They all love it. <laughs> Secretly love, love it. it. Let me tell you something. I there's no higher 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 form than flattery than creating art for someone. Inspired right. by someone. That is true flattery. It's like, wow, you affected me so much. <laughs> I made a damn book for you. And <laughs> <laughs> I wrote. I, I wrote a whole poem. <laughs> I love so I, it. I, I think it's, you know, I think, I think all my exes love it. And let me tell you something. And, and any new man that I, that I date, I, um, they, they always say little things, you know, about it. Cause I think they secretly want for me to write something about them too. Of course they do. I mean, imagine, imagine like all the great songs in, right. the, in, in the world. There's someone there, you know, there's someone going to bed at night thinking, well, I had that amazing song written about me. Right. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to, to cause inspiration in someone to, to evoke 
in that and you know, to, to evoke that in someone that's me I could I, I, I wish it's flattery someone yeah flattering I wish someone me too girl I, I, need to, <laughs> I think I need to date more artists I'm <laughs> just kidding yeah, I, I'm like oh, I don't know I've dated I've dated creative men they've been creative but not in 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 the sense of uh, writing um writing um works about me (laughs) right so speaking of inspiration right um there's a lot of listeners that that are writers what how can someone actually make a career out of writing do you want to give us some tips yes um so if it if it's something that you really want to do as a career you're going to have to work really hard and it's uh you have to also ask yourself what kind of writer do you want to be you have to ask yourself um do i want to be the writer that writes like for other people that writes like for a newspaper writes for a magazine writes for a blog or um, you have to ask yourself what kind of writer you want to be first of all, um, and then you have to you have to figure out a plan and how to monetize it. That's so, that's the reality, you know, because any creative career, uh, you could have success in it, but there's many people that don't have monetary success because they're not thinking. They don't have their, like a business hat on. They have, they, they just have like a creative hat on. So you have to put that business hat on, like that business mentality. Okay. How am I going to monetize it? I, I, um, in my, in my experience, you know, when I wrote letters to him and I have loved, I did it as an art project of something that I wanted to do, um, to fulfill a strong desire I, I had, right. Of wanting to be a published poet, right. Then, but when I said, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. So I started thinking and, and devise and devising a marketing plan on how I was going to try to make sure that this book, you know, had life out there, like public life. You know, there's so many people that become published authors, right? Yet no one knows about the book. No one reads the book. No one buys the book, right? So I had to put on my business hat on and figure out a way of how to do it, right? Um, some people um, will say, "Well, well, Martha, I, I, um, I don't, I don't have the same levels of contacts that you had at the time." For, to make your marketing plan really pop off. It's true. That is very true. So then you have to, I, I didn't maybe have uh, the mon- the funds monetarily to invest in my career at the time, but I had relationships. So I used the relationships, right? But then some people, maybe they have the monetary funds to do so, right? So then, they do it, you know, they put in the money. It's like if you're a singer, for example, and, and you need to pay for the, the studio session, the studio, mm-hmm. the studio session. It, it, it's so it's like, as a writer, it's like, 
you know, a lot of people, you know, they pay for ads. Right. To promote their work. That's a great tip. Right? That's a great tip. Yeah. So um, a marketing plan. But like what you said, even if you don't have those contacts, right? That's something that if somebody really wants to do it, they're going to find those contacts. They can network. They can reach out to people, right? So it's not like, okay, I don't have the contacts, so this can't happen. There's still, if there's a will, there, there's a way. There's so, there's so many people that don't have the contacts and they end up becoming huge success. First of all, because their work spoke for them, their talent, right? I always say do great work because that's, that's your, that's your ticket. Correct. It's like, um, in the end, if, if you, uh, I, I always use singing and music because that's something that everyone can relate to in the sense of, you know, we, you know, we listen to songs all the time. Right. And so we, we can relate to that. Um, you, you could have a, a, a great voice. So you, you could have a great voice, but if, if you, don't write a great song or if you don't get someone to write you a great song, you, you might never have a hit. Correct. So you, it's, it's not just about having a great skill of writing. Cause a lot of people are skillful writers or talented writers, but they don't have a story. So, so you need to make sure that you have a story, that you have a great story. So let's say you have the story and you have the funds. What's the next step? What do you do? Nowadays, it's it's so much easier because of the world that we live in. That it's like we live it. We live in a um, do-it-yourself world. You know that we can create anything. So it's like if 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 you have the funds, and not you don't even have to have a crazy amount of funds. But if, if you have funds, if, if you have a great story and you want to put it out, I, I suggest people go ahead, self-publish, you know, pay for Google ads, Amazon ads, um, uh, put your book. Maybe your get book a publicist. In, in different, get a publicist. Exactly. You know, yes. it's like there, there's so many ways you can do things. And, you know, and even if you don't have the funds, there are, there are many ways you can, you can promote your work, like social media, for example. I, listen, I, um, there's tons, there's a a few writers that every time they post their work, they'll use my hashtags. They will tag me, you know, um, that's how they spread, you know, their work, you know, the, the word around. Um, sometimes I, I posted other people's work because I think it's great. You know, why not? Um, yeah. Why and not then, support? I mean, with social media and digital marketing, I think everybody exactly. can do it. Anyone, it's all about having the desire to do it and, you know, not giving excuses. I, um, I had, there was this, uh, one writer she lives like in Europe or something. And she would always send me DMs and, and tweets and stuff. And she would always say, uh, she would always leave me comments like, like, oh, um, if only I was like pretty like you, you know, and I could 
uh, post, you know, this, like, and blah, 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 and have, like, grow a following and whatever. And I was like, uh, excuse me, that has nothing to do with it. If, you know, it's like you, you're, you're making excuses, you know, you could share your talent with the world. And that has nothing to do with your outer experience, your outer physical experience, uh, um, appearance. I, I feel that it's all what you decide to do your choice without giving excuses for yourself. I mean, those are the, the roadblocks we experience and that stop us from doing anything, right? Excuses. Yeah, just committing to it. Commit to yes. it and, and then everything will happen, I think. You can attract okay. everything and manifest whatever you want. What has been your biggest lesson in loving and in being loved? My biggest lesson has been understanding that everyone loves differently. Everyone loves differently. And sometimes we want a certain type of love, but we fall in love with someone who doesn't love that way, <laughs> that shows their love differently. And, and, and I realized that I shouldn't fall in love with people that cannot love me the way I want to be loved. I think that's all of our problems. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, because I feel like, yeah, because then we get mad and frustrated. Yeah. And you know what? And I stopped doing that because guess what? Before you fall in love, what are you doing? You're getting to know the person, right? Like in the the first few months, you're not in love with them. You're smitten. Okay. So I don't get to, I don't, I, if I see the red flags in the beginning, I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue with it. I'm not going to end up falling in love with the guy. I'm like, you know what? Uh, This is not going to work out. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I have realized that I, I like to be treated a certain way. I will not tolerate any other kind of treatment. You know, I want to be loved a certain way. And that, and that certain way is I want to be considered. Real love, true love considers the other person's feelings. So for me, that is how I want to be loved. So I want to be adored, if that makes sense. And I cannot, and I will not fall into another relationship that I'm teaching this person how to love. That's it. No, I, I don't want to do it anymore. And I, I listen, and someone could be listening to this and saying, well, that's not, that's not, that's not cool. That's not fair. You know, you know, what's not fair. <laughs> me having to sacrifice my life <laughs> right? trying to teach what their mom should have taught them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, and you have doing... every right. You have every right to hey, be loved course. the way that you want to be loved. You don't have to settle my, for I less. I love myself first. I love myself first. And, and guess what? And if someone really loves you and you're, all, for example, let's say uh, you're in a relationship and you've been in a relationship with someone for already like, 10 years or whatever. And, and you realize you grew, you grew, you're growing together. Right. And, and, um, and you realize you have that epiphany 10 years into the relationship. You know what, this is how I want to be loved. 
like I'm saying like go ahead and break up with the person and divorce them just simply because you realize how you want to be loved. Um, I'm not saying that I don't want people to go and blame me for their divorces. But to be honest, if you're already involved, like if you're already in the hole, (laughs) you then have to um, communicate that to the person and, you know, maybe make those um, inspire that person to make those changes. Right. Or, and to learn that as well. Right. And, um, but I, I'm not in that, in that place that I'm, you know, I'm not married to anyone and I'm currently, um, dating, but I'm not, um, do you, why do you I'm find, not, do you feel like you find it difficult in a big city to date? Like, cause I, I mean, I, I find it difficult <laughs> and I feel like I have very similarities with you. We're very driven. We're like career women. We're older. We kind of know what we want. We have like a type personalities. We're strong. We're like not going to take shit from people. But at the same time, we come from amazing families, have amazing morals and values. So we like the full package, not going to lie, but it, it's been really different for me like the dating experience it hasn't been as exciting as I would like it to be um are you still in Miami (laughs) yeah maybe that's why (laughs) um listen yeah I do believe dating in in major cities are it is 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 difficult I do believe I, I I I joke around but I actually really mean it when I say that it seems that people end up getting married in in big cities simply because they got pregnant and they started a family without you know like planning it right it's like like men in los angeles at least i see the men that end up committed in like very committed relationships usually it's you know they got trapped you know um i i, I it sounds crazy but that's how i feel because i feel that then men in larger cities, they feel they have many options. They feel they have an amount, an infinite amount of options. And maybe there are options. More, There are probably more options than in a smaller town. But the reality is that there's not as much quality. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of men, I think, um, don't understand that, that quality is better than quantity. Um, but, but some do there's, there's some guys that are like true gems out there because I mean, how, the rest, a lot of women, even people that are listening, even Alex, they got married, people get married, people find great quality men, but there, I also think because of social media and the way that we're living today, it, it makes it difficult for like maybe us being older to find someone because of the accessibility to, to a not, lot more options, right? It's not just that. The thing is that when you're older, if you compare it to when you were younger, like I was always in a relationship in my twenties and I, and I compared it, I was less picky. True. <laughs> so true. I was less picky. That's what it is. When you're older, you're just, you're just more in tune with who you are and you have a, a longer list of, 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 of qualities that you're looking for it. 
in a partner. Yeah, because this potentially could be like, like the example, forever guy. I exactly, but it's also because you've already uh, evolved so much as a person that you don't want like exactly what I was just talking about about like I already know how I want to be loved, so I'm not going to be putting up with with another kind of treatment, right? And I, um, but also it's like a longer list of qualities. It's like, for example, I, I, I'm, I'm not dating potential anymore. I'm not like I, I, in my twenties, that's all the, all the guys that I dated were potential. Like, you know, they didn't have their, they didn't have everything they have now. You know what I mean? Like I, I was forming their dreams with them. I was creating their dreams with them. Right. And, and now I don't have time for that. <laughs> like, girl, I got to write books. I got <laughs> I, I to do time things, for that. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't have time. It's like, oh, it's like, if, it's like if I meet a guy and, and, you know, and he's telling me about how his dream is like to be a, um, I don't know, a rapper or something. Right. Or, I don't know. Yeah, I let's need, run from I, that I, one. Like, like a like a big <laughs> like a big dream, right? And 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 he's like, let's say he's like in his thirties already, and I'm like, okay, like so, what's like, what are you doing really right. now for a job? You know, like I I, I <laughs> I'm very I'm honest, I'm direct, I'm like I I'm I'm it's like great, like I'll pat I'll pat him on the back. Oh, that's great. Continue your dreams. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, pat him I'm on the back jump, and push him off. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not boarding that ship. Okay. You're like, bye. <laughs> I am not boarding that ship. Exactly. Uh-uh. And ladies, there are so many ships that we board that we shouldn't have been on. Oh. Hello. <laughs> and if I've already boarded the ship, I'm jumping off. <laughs> I feel like I'm feeling myself. <laughs> Jumping off, oh, Martha. Martha, yeah. when is your book coming out? Let everybody know the next book. September fifteenth. I'm about to have a Virgo baby. <laughs> oh, like Alex. I'm a Alex Virgo. Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. September fifteenth. Letters, letters to the men I have loved was Gemini baby, and let me tell you, you could tell that it was a Gemini baby because it was a very bipolar book. Um, <laughs> it was uh, a lot of duality there and I say this my rising sign is Gemini by the way say that with a lot of love um, uh, yeah September 15th it will be everywhere that books are sold I'm really excited this this is my first book that I did not self-publish that I did it with a traditional publisher um, I'm really excited so I really need people to um, support me and buy the book, so I can um, so I can continue my deal. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. We'll help you promote it once once it comes closer. And tell everybody where they can follow you. Where they can you know? Is there a website? Um, you can. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a big Instagrammer, <laughs> so you can follow me on. Um, Instagram at Mirtha Michelle, M-I-R-T-H-A, Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. And you could also follow my creative page, M-M-C-M Creative. And, um, 
and yeah, my website is MarthaMichelle.com. And I'm actually revamping my website because I'm going to, um, I'm going to be um, releasing. I, I used to do this like Monday column years ago, so I'm bringing it back. But I'm, I'm instead of me um, just doing it as a subscribers list. Um, it was a, it was all a free subscription list, right? But instead of me just doing a, a subscribers list, I also want to have it up on the site that people can just log on and and read all the articles, et cetera. Um, so we're currently revamping the site and we're going to be um, launching some really fun products as well. Like I'm finally launching my candle line in August. I'm really excited. Um, so yeah, it's going to be like a, a, a one-stop shop once um, the new site is up. You'll you'll get some writing. You'll get links of where to purchase the books, and you'll get you'll be able to also um, purchase other um, products. And um, and I'm and sure, like once we get back started. to normal, like you'll have like appearances and stuff. Once everything's back, you to know, um, yeah, um, we had to move um, the um, the dates that we had, obviously, and. Um, to September. And I'm hoping that, that we'll get to a place by September that, that I could have these appearances, at least smaller groups. Right. And I really, I really hope so. I was actually talking with my publisher about this, with the, the team, the marketing team, um, just a few days ago, because I love, I love to connect with people in person. I, I, I obviously, I don't have the time to, um, to chat with every individual person, um, with every individual, um, person that attends the events, you know, I could, but I could talk, you know, give a talk. I could, um, yeah, it's such a different experience when like, you see them. Yeah. And I could share the, the poetry, the, the stories behind some of the, their favorite poems. You know, I always like to, um, to ask, uh the the attendees you know which poems they'd like for me to read you know um because i always think of if i had the chance with with my favorite poets to have them read so oh my god i would love if i if i could have ever heard pablo neruda um read read to me sonnet 17 so wow. it's like I always I always think um I always think of that. Like when people attend my events, I know that they're fans of the books and and they've been reading maybe one poem over and over again, right? So I always like to give that opportunity and and, well, and what I love and to love, and love to, you know, like like take the picture with them and 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 yeah. sign their books and and just have that connection with with people right and with people that i that support me you know because the the reality is that if people don't purchase my books then i'm gonna you know i would have to get another job yeah and what i love <laughs> you know? too is that the new book isn't it's bilingual right you're doing some stuff in spanish the new book is not bilingual elusive loves is bilingual oh that's yeah. the one that's bilingual okay good Elusive Loves is bilingual. Um, the new book is not, but the it will be translated. 
That's awesome. Um, I love that you're connecting with your your roots and, you know, getting that other audience, which is, you know, obviously the Spanish speaking audience is super big market to get into. So I, I am, I believe that poetry in Spanish is the most gorgeous Yes. In my opinion, just because the Spanish language is stunning and especially correct Spanish. Let me tell you, I am a big fan of all the shows that come out of Spain, oh. of all the series that come out of Spain. I just love, I love, love, I love the Castellano. language. Yeah. Well, yes. Marta, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I feel like we took away time from your Saturday, but it was so fun. Yeah. Don't you think it was just like a combo with I, your girls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's therapeutic. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm actually um, just at home hanging out. <laughs> Quarantine. Well, thank you so yes. much for your time. It was fun. And and honestly, it's, it's really great to meet you. You're, you're really down to earth. And I'm, and I really liked having this combo with you anytime guys thank you so much for the chat and for the support i appreciate it it's really amazing to see women doing their thing i love to see women that are constantly inspiring other women and you know uplifting them so that's what it's about and i'm sure you're going to inspire so many girls today with this with this episode so Thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, make sure that whenever you listen to us on Apple Podcasts and you leave us a review, we really love to read them. It actually helps us with the algorithm within um, Apple Podcasts. So help us out and leave us reviews. Thank you so much, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.